Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. Every week we've been looking at how in the scriptures God has been leading all of us to revisit the past. And no one wants to do that. It's not in the way that God sometimes challenges us to do. I think we like to do that on our own terms. We like to do that according to our old habits and patterns and the things that we are comfortable with doing. But we are in a place right now where God is speaking to us about how we can revisit the past and learn from it, be challenged by it, be transformed from it, and experience something else so that we can have the future that God has in store for us. Well, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is found in this story in the book of Genesis, and it's called the story of Lot and his family. And Lot was a nephew of Abraham who became Abraham, who became the holder of the promise. God visited Abraham and told him that he would make of him a great nation, but he would have to leave the nation that he was a part of. He would have to leave the land of his ancestors for a land that he did not yet know, but that God was telling him that he would possess. He was telling him that he would have to leave his past to experience a glorious future. And he had to leave everything that he knew for that which was unknown. And that's why Abraham is considered such a, a hero of the faith, because he was someone who was worshiping the idols of his people, of his ancestors. And then God showed up, he revealed himself and made himself known. And when Abraham began to share the story of how God had made himself known to him and what he was asking him to do, as he shared this with his family, Lot was the only one who was willing to do the same. And so they became incredibly close so close that God prospered them both equally. And it got to the point where God had prospered them so greatly that a decision would one day have to be made that neither one of them wanted to make or was prepared to make or actually they tried to avoid to make. That is, except for Lot. Because Lot was the one who brought it up. Lot was the one who saw it as a solution. Lot was the one who said, hey, why don't we go our separate ways? And when he said that, he saw how God had prospered him, and he saw how God had prospered Abraham. But now his tribe, their tribe's people were fighting. They were arguing over the resources. And, and Lot just said, you know, I put my eyes on this beautiful lot of land. And I think I'm going to go and settle there. 
And so the story from there gets worse, gets worse for Lot. And it gets increasingly better for Abraham. And it was that decision that they made that day that really put everything else into motion. And I'm sure the same things happened to you. You've you made a decision at some point in your life, and then you just saw your life go in a completely different direction. You envisioned something completely different for yourself when you made that decision, and you imagined that the blessing and the prosperity that you had experienced was going to continue. In fact, you made the decision believing that things would get better for you, not worse. But in the case of Lot, there was then a series of smaller decisions that he would make and a series of big decisions that he would make that would then lead up to him taking up residence in a place that God never wanted for him or for his family. So let's take up the story here in Genesis 19. And today we're going to talk about being rescued. In Genesis 19 and in chapter 19 and verse 12, it says this, that meanwhile the angels questioned a lot. Do you have any other relatives here in the city? Because I want you to get them out of this place. Your sons-in-law, your sons, daughters, anyone else because we are about to destroy this city completely. Because the outcry against this place is so great that it has reached the Lord and he has sent us to destroy it. And so Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, quick, get out of the city because the Lord is about to destroy it. But the young men thought that he was only joking. And at dawn, the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here and get out right now, or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. And when Lot still, it says it right here, hesitated, Then the angels had to seize his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and rushed them to safety outside of the city, for the Lord was merciful. And when they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Oh no, my Lord, Lot begged, you have been so gracious to me and you have saved my life and you have shown such great kindness. But I cannot go to the mountains because disaster would catch up to me there and I would soon die. See, there is a small village nearby. Please let me Go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. And all right, the angel said, I will grant your request. I will not destroy the little village. But hurry, escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. And this explains why that village was known as Zoar, which means little place. And then Lot reached the village just as the sun 
was rising over the horizon. And then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he utterly destroyed them along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. Historically, and interestingly enough, to this day, this area that we're talking about overlooks the Dead Sea, and there's still no veg vegetation that can grow there. And that area is known for its salt. It's known for the sea itself that creates at the lowest level this salt that is a natural phenomenon where people go for its healing properties or just to be able to uh, float in it. But it's not something that is utterly enjoyable. It's just something that's more of an experience, but that can be quite actually dangerous um, if, if you don't do it right. And when you look at this story, it's interesting to see how something in the past still carries consequences, even today. And that speaks to what God is telling Lot and all of us, not just in that story, but in the story of our own lives. There's a passage in Genesis 13 that we're going to look at. It starts at verse 12, and it gives us a little bit of an understanding of the story that I was reading to you earlier. Abram settled in the land of Canaan. And then you'll see that Lot does something. He moves his tents to a place. Now I want you to see that it is only near Sodom. And he settled among the cities of the plain. And then in verse 13, but the people of this area were extremely wicked and they constantly sinned against the Lord. And after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abraham, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west, because I'm going to give you all the land as far as you can see to you and to your descendants as a permanent possession. And we see the difference between the choices of Lot and Abraham. What's happening in the story is that when they split up, each going to their own section, Lot chooses a place where he sets up camp. And you can see that he doesn't go directly into Sodom at that point, but he gets just close enough. And that's what happens to us spiritually. We, we, don't, we don't just turn away from God and his promises. We don't turn away from God fully, but we get close enough to that which is sin so that we can just kind of have a place in both. Be faithful to God, honor Him, but still have fun, which we, we call fun, but which what God is calling wickedness. Not really living for God, but somehow still attaching ourselves to the past. 
And so you see that Lot from the very beginning left with Abraham, but I don't think everything left Lot. And, And at the first opportunity that he really gets to leave Abraham, he takes it. Like, like, why do this at this point and at this stage? Because at this point and at this stage, he feels like he can do this on his own. He doesn't need the blessing of Abraham and the promise of God given to Abraham. He feels like he can, he can be blessed on his own. And so he goes out on his own. And when he goes out on his own, instead of experiencing the blessing of God the way that Abraham was experiencing it, he just found himself going back and back, not to Ur, where they were from, which would be modern-day Iraq, but going back to something that was similar enough. And he puts his tent as close as he can to it without fully outright, you know, renouncing God. And, And I want you to think about where in your life you may have done something similar or where that may be happening in your life like right now. And the idea is that we want to get as close as we can to Sodom without actually having to live there and to be there and to remain there and to, and to live life there. Except what ends up happening to Lot is what ends up happening to all of us When God calls us out of our past and we try to find a way to kind of merge our two lives together again, where we try to merge the past and the future, where we try to live in the present but still hold on to segments of the past, we try to set up our tent and our camp as close as we can to wickedness and then expect that God would continue to bless us like when we were fully committed to him on our spiritual journey. And so Lot is living this life where he's tormented on the inside and now that, that, that torment is revealing itself on the outside. And it's revealing itself through his decision-making. First his decision is to leave Abraham, then his decision is to go into an area that was known for its wickedness. He knew what it was for, but he goes there anyways, and then he sets up his tent there, and he gets as close as he can to it. And look at what happens in Genesis 14, in verses 11 and 12. The Bible says that by the time the story continues, from him setting up his camp there, look at how, look at how, Things are getting worse for Lot. It says in verse 11 that the victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and they headed for home and and taking with them all the spoils of war and the food supplies. And look at this. They also captured Lot, Abraham's nephew, who where, where does he live? He now lives in Sodom. He's not in a tent near it, now he's in it. Man, man, when I read that, when I saw that, I said, God, you know, convict me. Speak to me of where I'm setting up my tent. 
knowing that there's wickedness there, but thinking that somehow I'm going to be better and stronger. Somehow I'll be able to escape it. And, and instead of that happening, look what happens now. He's, he's not near it anymore. He's right in the city. He's right in Sodom. And, and then what happens is that invaders come. And they all get captured, and they get carried off. And look what happens. Everything that they own in the following verse, in the following verse, carried off with everything. Everything he owned. And it's interesting to me that sometimes we can lose everything and still not turn away from the things of the past. Come on, is that, is that just me? Or is that someone else here who can relate? Even after we've lost everything, we just keep doing the same thing. And, and what happens in the story is that, again, God wants to rescue Lot. And he does it through Abraham. And in Genesis 14, verse 16, it says this, that Abraham, look at this, goes to war to save Lot and his family. And he makes an alliance with other tribes, and they go out and they attack the invaders. And look at this, they brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and all the other captives. They, he doesn't just free Lot, but he frees everybody. Can we say amen to that? I mean, God makes it known that Lot was captured. Abraham hears this and he goes to war because Abraham is not allowing Lot to be lost. And, and I know that there are people in our lives who care about us. I know that the Holy Spirit cares about us. There's a scripture that tells us that the Holy Spirit actually intercedes on our behalf. And that God is actually always interceding on our behalf. Jesus is always interceding on our behalf. That even when you think you are alone in this world, I want you to know that the one who gave the promise to Abraham has given it to you. And he will not allow you to be lost. And I love the fact that in this story, everything that had been lost, guess what's, what happens? It gets restored. Lot is rescued and is restored. But the problem is that Lot decides to return back to Sodom and Gomorrah. And I don't know why he's so stubborn about this. And then I remember, yeah, but that's, that's who I am. I'm really stubborn. What am I judging the dude for when, when I do the same thing? When God keeps rescuing me, only for me to return back to the place that he rescued me from. 
Come on, are you guys with me? Is this like, you guys asleep on me? No? Thanks. <laughs> but I do see that in verse 32, the story continues. Finally, Abraham says, Lord, please don't be angry with me, but if I speak one more time. And what he does, he starts at, at like, hey, can you find like 50 people so you don't destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah? Can you find 40? Can you find 30? And then he goes down all the way to 10. And then he says, speak one more time. Suppose only 10 are found there. And then the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. But we know how the story ends. He can't even find 10 people. And, and the reason that Abraham goes all the way down to 10 is that he's thinking about Lot and his family. He's thinking about, God, please rescue him one more time. Don't let him die. And you can see that, that God is not out there to destroy. He's out there to save. And what he's looking for is for people who are willing to say, I'm worthy of you to be saved. Save me. Let, pick me. He, he's looking for a response on our side so that he doesn't do any of that, doesn't want to do that. But he's only saying that if I could even find just 10 in the city, but he can't find them because not even his daughters or his wife or his son-in-law's future ones at that are interested in following the God that Lot believes in, in a city that is completely devoted to other gods and to themselves. And so in the story, we see that Abraham is still doing the intercession. An intercession that rescues them from certain destruction because God ends up sending his angels to rescue Lot and his family anyways. So he can't follow through on the promise of not destroying the entire city, but he can still save Lot. And I think about that, and I think, God, wow, you're so amazing, because what you're trying to do and teach us in all of this is that you refuse to give up on any of us. Like, your intention is to make sure that none of us are lost, even the ones that are unwilling to be rescued. Because we discover that, that Lot's wife, who we never find out her name, by the way, or his daughters are not interested in leaving. And you'll remember that even Lot hesitated. And in that hesitation, the angels have to take them by the hand and lead them out of the city. Like it was forcefully done. The intervention was really clearly done so that they would not be lost. None of them would be. But unfortunately, in verse 16 of chapter 19, we read that Lot hesitated, and the angel sees them. And look at what it says, because the Lord was still merciful. Can we say amen to that? How many times has God just done that with us? Just, just forcefully taken us by the hand and just got us out of a situation. Because we wouldn't do it. Like we were stuck in that city. We were, we were comfortable there. We were do, living our life there. We thought there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong. This is how everybody else is living. This is how everybody else parties. This is how everybody else does it. I can do this too. And I can still believe in God. I can still have my life in both places. I can still do the same thing. But God is saying, well, no, you don't understand. I, 
You can't be like that. I need you to be not like Lot. I need you to be like Abraham. In the story, we're shown both people because God says, my blessing is with one, not the other. And so when Lot chose his land, he chose it. And then he chose it for its proximity to wickedness. But when God gave Abraham the land, he told him, you can walk as far as you want in every direction. And because you are faithful to me, I'm going to give it to you all. Can we say amen to that? See, Lot keeps getting invaded. Keeps losing everything. He keeps having to start over. And his life and the life of his family gets worse. But not that of Abraham. And I believe that God is here to rescue us from our own hesitation. So I know that we've got that hesitation in us, just like Lot had it. Like he knows that God is going to destroy the city. He's just warned him. And he's, he's, he's seen spiritual beings become physical and take on a physical form. He knows that they're angels and they're there. And they're telling him what's going to happen. And yet he's still hesitating. And I know that God has revealed himself to each of us. He has shown himself. He has made himself known. And yet somehow there's still a hesitation in us. There isn't this complete commitment that God is looking for from us. And so in Genesis 19 and in verse 26, we see how that hesitation that was in Lot is actually really pronounced in his wife. And when Lot's wife looks back, as she was following behind her husband, the scripture says that she was turned into a pillar of salt. And in the original language, it wasn't just like a look back like this. It was a look back with yearning. It was regarding the past with sorrow in her heart that she was leaving it behind. Do you understand the difference? You know, we always think that she, it was just because she looked back. No, no. It, what was happening in her heart was that she didn't, she didn't want to let it go at all. And, and what, what Jesus does is that when he comes and he starts teaching on, on what it looks like to follow God and to live for him and, and to live in his kingdom and how the rest of the earthly kingdoms are, are under the power and the sway of the evil one and, and, and under the authority of Satan himself, that in Luke 17, in verse 32, Jesus says these words, remember what happened to Lot's wife. And what Jesus does is that he takes a story of the Old Testament everybody knew, and he relates it to his time. But more importantly, he reminds us that we are still living in those days. 
And when Jesus talks about the present, when he utters these words, he's also talking about a future time. And when he talks about this future time, he says, remember Lot's wife. Not just for today, but for tomorrow. And Jesus is telling us that it's, it's, it's something that's in all of us. This desire to camp outside the city. That we think that's as close as we're going to get, but then we end up in the city. And then after we've been taken out of the city, and we have a choice now never to go back, what do we do? We go back to the same city. We go back to the same way of living. And then God says, well, why would you go back to the same way of living when I've been trying to get you out of there all along? And then all of a sudden, the angels come and, and God forcibly even sends them and reveals himself and, and, and takes you by the hand and leads you out of that city. And then even then, you still look back wanting it. And then Jesus comes and says, remember Lot's wife. And I know that I can't have the future God wants in my life if I take my decisions the way Lot did. But I thank God that there are Abrahams in my life who intercede for me. And when you're part of a community of faith, I want you to imagine it becomes your Abraham. I want you to imagine that, that God is always your Abraham, no matter where you go, that, that he's always interceding for you, that he will come when the invaders have taken you and everything that you own away from you. He will come and he will bring it back. He will restore it. I want you to believe in that Jesus today. I don't know what it is that you've lost. I don't know what's been taken from you. I don't know how it's been taken. But I do know that Jesus can bring it back. He can restore it. Just like he did for Lot. And then we have to make a different decision. Not go back into Sodom. But go where Abraham instead is going. Can we say amen to that? Follow him out to the promised land and not try to create our own promised land. Lot wanted his own promises fulfilled his way. But we can only see it fulfilled and experience blessing God's way. And God is offering us that right now. Can we pray together? We're good. And so, Father, as you see us and know us, you see exactly where we're camped, how close we are, or if we're in the midst of it. You see us lost in our brokenness, and you are ready to rescue us and deliver us, just like you did over and over again for Lot. And you delivered him from certain destruction. And I know that your heart, your desire is to do the same. And then you also give us a warning, a warning of Lot's wife, who wasn't 
saved, who wasn't rescued, who like the rest of the citizens of those cities perished that day. You don't want us to perish. You want us to experience the power of your presence that brings the fulfillment of your promises that leads to the blessings that you have in store for us so that we can walk in every direction and believe that you are not only with us, but that you are blessing us to experience the fulfillment of all that you have for us. Thank you for every person that is here. Thank you for the struggles that we're able to identify in your presence, to bring them before you and to say, God, deliver me from them. Set me free from these weaknesses. Set me free from these traps of wickedness. Set me free. Deliver me. Just like you came time and time again to deliver Lot, deliver me. Rescue me. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only He can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.